So I uh, love Canadian hockey. Uh, I cheer for the Leafs. Uh, Leafs fans are an amazing and strange band of fanatics, and I'm proud to count myself among them. Uh, last night, the uh, Leafs played the Rangers. It didn't go so well, uh, two to one loss. But but Don Cherry, he's got a word for stressed out Leafs fans. Uh, this is from Coach's Corner. Don Cherry says, "Listen to me. Listen to me. I, I know everybody's concerned about the Leafs. It's good right now. They're they're having a tough time, rough time. Well, well, let me tell you, uh, this is." good for them. It'll teach them a little toughness going into the playoffs because if they get in against the Bruins, they've got to be a lot tougher. So this will toughen them up. So just a word of encouragement to all you Leafs fans. And you know, Leafs fans never give up. And by the way, they did win earlier in the week on Wednesday. So they do win now and then. And um, hockey really is Canada's sport. And so many of us are so passionate about the sport. Many of us were at games this morning with your kids before you made your way here. We, we yell and we scream and we cheer for our team, our kids' team. I mean, we have no shame. We re- rearrange our schedules around the game. We travel all around the province and we pour a ton of cash. Did I say a ton of cash into all of that? But if we were to show the same passion for Jesus, people would call us like weird, right? They would avoid making eye contact with us, maybe walk on the other side of the street from us. Now, I'm not here to say that we all need to become as weird as Leaf fans to show our devotion to Jesus, but maybe, just maybe, we might want to step it up a bit. Hey, there's a whole lot that we could be cheering for when it comes to Jesus, you know, when compared to the Leafs. I say that as we start a new message series called The Ghost. Hey, I I, I grew up, uh, the churches I grew up in uh, called the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, it, it, it sounds a bit dangerous, you know, a bit mystical. And for some reason, uh, the word spirit seems more palatable to us today. I mean, people who are full of the Holy Ghost, that sounds like I'd want to walk on the other side of the street from them. But I want to use the name ghost because I, I want to shake us up a little and challenge us to consider that there might be more to our Christian experience than we are currently experiencing. And it might not always be comfortable, it might not always feel normal, but if it is genuine, it will always be good. Because when the Holy Spirit came to the church and to all of the uh, believers on that very first Pentecost Sunday, that's 50 days after Easter Sunday, the coming of the Holy Spirit shook things up a lot. Luke, he's a doctor by trade and he's a friend of the Apostle Paul, wrote the book of Acts which includes many accounts of the Holy Spirit at work. Let me read what happened when the Holy Spirit first came uh, upon that brand new church at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house and they were where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So you have Easter Sunday. You know the highlight of the Christian calendar? After the brutal death on the cross, uh, three days later, Jesus busts through the grave, very much alive. And then for the next 40 days, Jesus keeps turning up here and there. And like, it's a physical body. His wounds from the cross are visible. You can touch them. The Apostle Thomas did touch them. Okay, so we move forward to 40 days after Easter. And it's the last time the Apostle is going to spend time with the physical Jesus on earth. They're having dinner together. Yes, the resurrected Jesus ate food. He he is fully God, fully man. 
He is a resurrected man living in a resurrected body. A picture, by the way, just, you know, of what your body will be like in eternity. And as he's eating with the apostles, he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, just a a quick observation as we get into this message series that goes, Jesus told his followers to wait for the Holy Spirit before they tried to do too much. And Jesus would say the same thing to you and me today. That's why we're doing this series called The Ghost. You and me, we really need to wait for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit before we leap too far into serving real needs in our world. We need the energy of the Holy Spirit. We need a supernatural source to do what we could never do on our own. But I'm leaping ahead here. Back to this dinner, uh, 40 days after Easter, Jesus explains a bit, a, a little more about what the Holy Spirit does. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, witnesses, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And then for ten days, these early believers wait in this house, in this upper room of this house. They wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And that brings us to a very dramatic scene where the Holy Spirit descends on the church for the very first time at that very first Pentecost Sunday. So you have this violent wind that shakes the house, like the whole place is shaking. It's not an earthquake. That's kind of scary weird, right? And in this house, you see fire floating in the air. Now, that's even more scary weird. And you see tongues of fire that settle on the head of each of the believers in this house. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they speak in tongues. And at least in this case, tongues might simply mean they speak in different languages. We're not totally sure. Still, just a bit weird, right? Tongues, whatever it is, really weird. And I hope you're okay if I just leave it there for now. But let's keep reading. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each heard, uh, each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, you know, this is a long list, right? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Like, these guys are drunk, right? I mean, drunk or what? And some are amazed at this demonstration of the power of God, and some are just too weirded out by it all, so they make fun of what's happening and call them a bunch of drunks. That works, right? Well, no. And then you read the rest of the book of Acts. And hey, you should do that on your own sometime. It's an awesome, awesome book to read. I I just want to challenge you. You know, you should just sit down and if you can, read it in one one sitting and, and see how powerful our God is, how powerfully he works through the Holy Spirit and how, uh, how, the, how a move of the Spirit set a small band of believers on fire who, who just became fearless as they took the message of Jesus to the rest of the Roman Empire and beyond. And as I read all that, 
As I read the book of Acts, I go, God, God, would you do that again? And last week, we looked at the story of St. Patrick, where God did that again, just 400 years later after Easter in Ireland. And if you missed that message, I really encourage you to watch or listen to it. You know, Fort City Church is part of a larger church family uh, called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. I, I get that denominations don't mean much to most people today, but, but as denominations go, there is some real health and vitality to us as a family of churches. And, and we have a denominational mantra that says that we are a Christ-centered, mission-focused, spirit-empowered, spirit-empowered movement. We have a, a, a passion to be a movement of churches where our people, and by the way, that includes all of you, are filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We, we want Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to, to so get a hold of our lives that what happened in the days of the Apostle Paul, what, what happened in the days of St. Patrick, would happen even here today in Canada. And I, I'm praying that it would actually happen here in Fort McMurray. God, do it again. What we're talking lives that are set free from the bondages of addictions of all kinds, bodies that are made well, relationships that are strengthened and healed, and most importantly, people who learn to live and love well. I mean, we're, we're talking lives that are so connected to Jesus, so impacted by the Holy Spirit that they look more and more like Jesus. We just don't want to tell stories from the Bible, as good as that is, or stories from history like we did last week with St. Patrick. We, we want to tell our own stories of God at work in our day, in our homes, where we work, at our church. And yeah, we have a few stories. I do, and I'm going to save a few of them for next week. Stay tuned. I'm pretty pumped. But, but here's the challenge for many of us. Well, many of us have taken that first crucial step in our walk with Jesus. That is, we've come to Jesus and we've asked him to come into our lives through the person of the Holy Spirit. The problem is, we've never really moved on to maturity. We haven't, you know, we've taken the first step, we've, we've come to Jesus, but we continue to live lives that are spiritually flat and, and full of defeat. But then we read the book of Acts. And yeah, it scares us a little bit, but at the same time, it stirs something in us, that sense that there is more, that there is more to the Christian experience than what we're experiencing right now. And friends, that, that nudge in your heart, that suspicion you have as you read the Bible, that, that nudge, that suspicion is true. There is more. There's more. The Apostle Paul said, be filled with the Spirit. And the way Paul said that in the original Greek really can be translated, be filled and keep on being filled with the Spirit. There is more. There is more for you every day. You have to seek for it every day. You have to ask for it every day. You, you have to keep on being filled with the Spirit every day. One day, uh, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. Jesus was declaring, there is more. Our church family, the Christian Missionary Alliance, was founded by a passionate Canadian boy who became a Presbyterian pastor in Hamilton, uh, moved on to uh, St. Louis, Kentucky, where he had a profound experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he later moved to a Presbyterian church in New York, and while in New York, he had another profound experience, this time of personal healing. 
In New York, compelled by the spirit who filled him with love and compassion, he spent a lot of time working with immigrants, a a lot of Italians and Irish in particular, and, and this was very unsettling for the very proper Scottish Presbyterians in his church. There was a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment in New York back in the mid-1800s, and Simpson would have none of it. All people matter to God, and certainly the disadvantage, including new immigrants, mattered to God. Simpson and his teams would go down to the docks and help desperate new immigrants get cleaned up, uh, get some health care, food and clothes, learn English, and ultimately get them into a church experience where they could find Jesus for themselves. I mean, if any of you have seen the Martin Scorsese film, The Gangs of New York, it's, it's one brutally violent film. It's not for the faint of heart, but what that movie describes is New York at the time Simpson served there. And, and for those of us who like our churches to be safe, <clears throat> you can appreciate that what Simpson was doing and where he ended up doing church and where he was ministering was not necessarily all that safe. At least it didn't seem safe enough to his established Presbyterian congregation. But Simpson, he wasn't the type to tolerate wussy Christians who thought church was all about being safe and clean and nice. Simpson's attitude was, we are a mission. And if we have to reach right into hell itself, so be it. And that's what he did. Now, This is not meant to be an anti-Presbyterian tirade. There's all sorts of good Presbyterian churches. We've got a great one here in town. This is just kind of Simpson's personal experience with the church he was in. Let me uh, just quote how he describes this situation. They wanted a conventional parish for respectable Christians. And what I wanted was a multitude of publicans and sinners. So, as you can imagine, as things are coming to a crisis point... Simpson uh, broke away and he spent a week in solitude and prayer, seeking God, listening for the Spirit. To the horror of his wife, Margaret, and her concern for their seven kids, he heard God call him to resign and strike out on his own, leaving an incredibly well-paying job, trusting that God would provide. This led to a new church, the New York Gospel Tabernacle, that reached out to new immigrants the economically disadvantaged, as as well as quite a few uh, well-established upper-class people who aligned with Simpson's radical vision on what church should look like. The New York Gospel Tabernacle became the first church in what is now the Christian Missionary Alliance. So the roots of our church family, the Christian Missionary Alliance, are found in the midst of a profound experience of the Holy Spirit thrusting the church to impact not just good, upper-class, civilized people, but the economically disadvantaged, scorned immigrants, and just anyone, anyone who needed Jesus. And it didn't really matter if the neighborhood was safe or not. So we don't come from overly civilized church roots, just thought you should know. Heck, we were a church in the middle of the gangs of New York. And then from New York, we spread with ministries of compassion and planting churches all around the world. Even today, you'll find the Christian Missionary Alliance working in some of those dangerous places in the world. We have churches in Syria, Iran, Iraq, churches that sometimes get blown up and rebuilt and blown up and rebuilt again. Like the Apostle Paul, we say, for Christ's love compels us, and and we go right back in there. I remember one of our churches in Aleppo, Syria, getting blown up a couple of years back as ISIS moved in and took over the city. What did those church people do? While everyone else was fleeing the city, they stuck around and they distributed water, food, and clothing and administered first aid to those who were evacuating. 
I mean, friends, that's a church full of the Spirit, on mission for Jesus, without fear. And they're taking their cues from Simpson, but really more, they were being led by the Spirit because that's what the Spirit does. And while there are many things that I could say about what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit, one of the most important things the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit gives us courage to serve, courage to make a difference. The Holy Spirit presses us into service to make a difference wherever we live, helping more and more people know and experience Jesus for themselves. Friends, this is the primary evidence that you are filled with the Spirit. You have a passion to help people get connected to the living Jesus. It's the primary evidence, Acts 1.8. Whatever else you know about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is first and foremost a missionary spirit. Jesus' last words to us were clear. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be witnesses. And for you and me, that means Fort McMurray. That means the ice rink. That means Suncor, Syncrude, Nexon, or wherever you work. That means the street you live on or where you sled or quad. God uses us to make a difference in other people's lives, loving people at their point of need, helping people to experience Jesus for themselves. And you know, you don't have to be a jerk for Jesus to do this. You just let the Spirit of God fill you. You let God, who is love, love through you. Love is the mark of true, Spirit-filled Christian witness. You love your neighbor as yourself. You're not pushing anything on anyone. You are loving and you are inviting. Inviting people to see and experience the Jesus who loves through you. But you know, Simpson didn't start out this way. He, he wasn't always this gutsy live life out on the edge Christian leader. It was in Louisville when he came to a life-changing realization. I thought that I was filled with the Holy Spirit, but I was never filled to overflowing to the overwhelming. And with that realization, he sought God for more. He sought God for all that he would give him. And God, by the Holy Spirit, transformed Simpson's leadership. And then Simpson arrives in New York, and you're gone. Nice story, Doug. Let's just be clear about a few things, okay? I sure don't want to serve God in the middle of any type of Gangs of New York situation or some war-torn part of Syria or Iraq. Hey, there are parts of uh, Fort McMurray I'm not sure about. So just cut me some slack. I'm just trying to figure out if God exists, if any of this Holy Spirit stuff is for real. Hey, I'm open to this God stuff, but I don't want to go off the deep end or anything like that. So you can stop talking about the gangs in New York or Iraq and Syria. I'm not going there, okay? And we put up a wall. And we kind of let this irrational fear get in the way. You know that God is going to turn us into some sort of Jesus freak, send us to somewhere terrible or something like that. And, and we hold back on what God has for us. And there's this fear that causes us to hold back. There's this fear that keeps us from leaning into being filled with the Spirit. So let me give you a scripture that hits this fear issue right on and that tells us that there's more and kind of explains to us what the more is. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. For the Spirit that God has given us does not make us fearful. Does not make us fearful. Instead, His Spirit fills us with power love, self-control. There is more. There is power. There is love. There is self-control. There is more. 
And the Spirit of God who wants to give us more will push away the fear as he gives us more. More. Let's start with power. Hey, there are Christians all over the world going through life without this power, without the strength they need to live well. But there is a spiritual power from God that is greater than you could ever imagine. Check this out. And this is the Apostle Paul praying for you and me. He prays, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Who, you know, for us who believe him, this is the same, get this, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you, to me, to every believer. He will fill you, direct you, comfort you, guide you, counsel you, convict you. He will give you power and it is available. There's even more. He will fill you with love. You and I, because of the Holy Spirit, we can love better. We can become better lovers. We can love more and more like Jesus. They'll know we're Christians by our love and what this world needs more than anything right now, right? Look at this world. It needs love. People full of love. And in your marriage and in your relationships with the Spirit, you will have more love to give. Still, there is more. He will give you self-control. In any part of your life where you are lacking self-discipline, self-control, God, through the Holy Spirit, is available to give you that self-control. You do not have to be a slave to pornography, food, drugs, uh, an angry tongue, uh, a tongue that stretches the truth. You do not have to be a slave to spiritual bondages, false religions, broken and sometimes uh, very destructive philosophies. Friends, there is more. There is more. Yet yet so many Christians live without the power, love, and self-discipline the Holy Spirit wants to give us. So many live weak, spiritually, you know, just weak, anemic lives, and it doesn't have to be that way. Friends, there is more. Again, I think the primary issue is fear. We think God, as I said, is going to turn us into some sort of Jesus freak so that everyone who sees us runs to the other side of the street. Or we think God's going to send us to serve amongst the gangs of New York or serve refugees in war-torn Afghanistan or maybe over in Myanmar. And I do know someone God sent there. We yearn for more. We want the Spirit to fill us. We want to be full of love, power, and self-control. I mean, who wouldn't? We sure do. But yeah, no, no, it seems too risky. We're afraid. We're, we're afraid of where God might lead us, what God might ask us to do. <clears throat> we want all of the benefits, but we don't want any cost. Especially if it looks a little bit risky or a little bit uncomfortable. Excuse me. <clears throat> I mean, St. Patrick, good for him, right? After being kidnapped and sold into slavery, he started to go back and serve those barbarians. Not me, Okay. I mean, go back to the people who kidnapped and enslaved me, risk my life for the sake of people who treated me so badly. That's craziness. That, that's like insanity. Or, or A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance. He was full of the Spirit. But it's crazy what he did when he let God's Spirit lead him. He left a great job, a secure, prestigious, very well-paid pastoral position, and he went out on his own with no salary. Hey, the guy had a wife and seven kids. I mean, that's pure crazy. And Simpson, he, he wants to work in one of the most desperate areas in America at that time with some of the most pe- dangerous people alive at the time. And <clears throat> he dragged his wife and kids with him. But hey, look at what happened. As Simpson followed the, 
leading of the Holy Spirit, thousands upon thousands of lives were changed. Hospital-like healing homes were built. Bodies were healed uh, by medicine and supernaturally. Minds were made whole. And it's just one big miracle story after another. Patrick saw a whole nation come to Jesus, change history. Okay, Doug, I I get that. I get that. But hear me, Doug. All I want is a safe, respectable life for, for myself and my family. Please and thank you. But yet... Even as you say that, you you got this deep primal longing for something else, for something more. We all got it. That there is this yearning deep down for something more. We we long to live lives of uh, of purpose, to make a difference. Uh, Every one of you, you got this little bit of conflict going on inside of you between living a safe, respectable life and wanting more, wanting your life to mean more and do more. So if we're really honest with ourselves... Deep down, we're, we're not satisfied to just live safe, respectable lives. We want more. You want more. It, it's in you. That drive for more is in you. That, that passion is in you. So would you just let go of your fears? Better still, would you let God take those fears away and fill you with his spirit and give you more? Would you, would you be willing? Hey, God has made each and every one of us with some deep-down desires and passions. They're, they're primal desires, really, and, and they can only be fulfilled when we surrender our lives to Jesus and ask him to fill us with over, to overflowing with his spirit, the ghost. And you know, I, I suspect the reason why a lot of people reject Jesus is they think that to follow Jesus means destroying these primal passions they have to live life to the full. I mean, people all over this city want to live life to the full and they want their lives to make a difference, but when they look at church, they think, wow, that's the last place those drives could be fulfilled. Next week, I'm going to talk to you a bit about my own personal journey with the Holy Spirit. I've got a few stories about me leaning into the Holy Spirit and the difference that makes and how God began to satisfy my yearning for more and how he is satisfying my yearning for more even now. Because, friends, there is more. But you have to trust that God is for you. That God wants the best for you. Hey, God knows how he's wired you. He's got a perfect plan for your life. When you lean into what God has for you, there is nothing to fear. You will come alike. You'll just come alive like you've never been alive before. You will love life at a level you didn't think was possible. God's got a plan for your life that is consistent with how he has wired you. And the only way that you'll experience what it means to really feel fulfilled is to just surrender to him. So relax. Relax and invite him to fill and surround you and immerse you with his Holy Spirit. Don't worry about what might or might not happen. Go for the ride and just let God be God in your life. And for the record, most of you are not going to be sent to work with a bunch of roughneck barbarians, Irish or otherwise, or live among uh, gangs of New York-type situations, or serve refugees in Afghanistan. I mean, maybe some of you, maybe one of you, but not most of you. But with the Spirit in you, He will lead you, prompt you, use you to make a difference in your home, where you work, with the people you love and call friends. He'll lead you to take steps of love and risk with other people. But but here's what you need to understand in all of this. You know, God doesn't bless you with more so that you can keep it all to yourself. He blesses you with more so that you will spill and more and more overflow onto others. You will be blessed in order to be a blessing. 
You might not be a Patrick or an A.B. Simpson, but God will fill you to overflowing so that you will spill over on others just like Patrick and Simpson did. There is more. And our God yearns for you to experience more. And his heart for you is to spill this love, power, and self-control that you've been given on others. So are you getting it? There is more. But the more isn't just for you. It's for you to give to others. Do you want more? Then you have to be willing for that more to be given away. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow with me in prayer. And then I'm going to do a scary thing that I hardly ever do. I'm, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand if you want more. I'm just preparing in advance. And then I'll pray again. But I thought I'd warn you about that. Um, that if it's your desire, just raise your hand and kind of reach up and say, I want more, God. I want more. I want more, not just to bless me, but to bless others. And there's nothing magical about raising your hand. It's just a symbol of where your heart is at. God, bless me with more, and with that blessing, I will bless others. So uh, bow with me for prayer, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands in a moment and just get over the fear, okay? And, and let me remind you as well, at the end of the service, we have a prayer team. They'll continue to pray that you would experience more, or whatever else is on, whatever need, uh, whatever stuff needs to be broken in your life or healed or restored, go to our team and allow them to pray with you. But right now, let's pray together. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would do a work that goes beyond any words of explanation that I have, that you, Holy Spirit, would be present and, and that you would do a work in our hearts that only you can do. Now, as we're praying, some of you, as you've been listening, you recognize that you have been doing life pretty much apart from the Spirit of God. You may be a believer in Jesus, you go to church, you know spiritual stuff, but you look at your life and you don't see spiritual power and you know that there's more. You see the victory, the life change, the love, the fruits of the Spirit that is available and you're going, I really believe this stuff. I want a more Spirit-filled life. I want more. So if that's you, you want more, you want to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, would you lift your hand as a symbol of heart and just say, I want more. Just do that. Lift your hand, say, I want more. And as you do that, say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit, right now. Just lift your hand and say, I want more. God, I thank you for the spiritual hunger that has just been expressed. And I pray, God, that you will fill each of us who yearns to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing. Give us more. Come and fill us and overflow from us to others. And I pray that as we continue in this series, the ghost, I pray that we would tangibly experience your presence that we would become increasingly aware of your guidance, your comfort, that we would experience your promptings. Fill us, O oh God, with your Holy Spirit, that we would live a life that brings glory and honor to you, even as we allow ourselves to be used by you to love others. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives and the impact it will have on us, our families, and friends, where we work and play. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.